we're just really looking forward to the fellowship tonight. Uh, uh, we have with us uh, Brother Tom Getz, who's joining us from uh, right now, Irvine, California. And then Brother Ray Mulligan, who's with us um, from Dublin, Ireland. And uh, Brother Reggie Favors, who's joining us from Berlin, Germany. So uh, thank you, brothers, for being with us. And, um, you know, as we have said in the past, uh, these times are uh, question and response, not question and answer. So, uh, you know, the brothers, as they respond, they, they will give responses. Um, they may not be all inclusive or, you know, complete answers. Um, but that's that's okay. That's not the purpose of this time. It's it's just to uh, have a time to fellowship um, together with the brothers over over um, these these questions that get put forward. Um, so anyway, we're we're really again we're just really looking forward to the time tonight. And tonight, um, you know. Uh, I think most of us on this, uh, uh, those of us on this panel and, and, and the ones who've been kind of um, involved with putting out these, uh, these Q&Rs and, and all the other things um, on the uni students channel, uh, we're all based in, in, in Europe. And so uh, for that, for that re uh, reason, you know, we do have some feeling about the Lord's, the Lord's move in Europe. And um, I think all of us here on this panel are immigrants. <laughs> We're not uh, European, uh, European born, but nonetheless, uh, we, we, we do have um, a lot of feeling about um, the, the Lord's move to Europe. And so tonight we are, that's gonna be the focus of the Q&R. Uh, and so um, we'll just see where where things take us. This will be a more informal time where uh, we'll just have a kind of conversation with the brothers, have some follow-ups here and there, and we just look to the Lord for his speaking. So uh, with that, I'll hand it over to Trevor. Okay. Uh, well, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Mm. Just want to throw that out there. I know, I know it's been exceptionally difficult this year. My wife's been stuck inside a lot. So moms, moms are the heroes of the, of the COVID. Okay, so we're going to start this off, brothers, with a, with a real easy softball. And that, that is the first sarcastic remark I'll have tonight. And the, the question I have, and I don't really, maybe we can just start with, with uh, Brother Reggie. Um, and basically, we oftentimes hear about the Antichrist, and and uh, and you know this was this was the soft question at the beginning. But basically, the Antichrist, you know, it's it's oftentimes people in different circles are are talking about it, um, uh, different different uh, uh, backgrounds and and Christian groups. I heard about it growing up my whole life. But, um, you know, just in the last 10 years, when I really touched the church life, I started hearing about, oh, he's coming from Europe specifically, which was, which was really like, 
news to me. So the first, the first real kind of question we wanted to throw out and ask you brothers is in regards to the Antichrist, if this is one of the main reasons, first of all, how can we, how can we really see this in the word? And then also, if this is one of the main reasons involving his, our, our, the Lord's move to the continent of Europe. Brother Trevor, if, if it's okay, uh, just in our previous experience, uh, I think uh, Brother Ray or Brother Tom can handle this question in a better way. <laughs> okay. Well, you can, hey, you can, you can hand it off if you want. <laughs> you can phone a friend. And it looks like you just did. So maybe maybe you can pick which one you want to hand it off to. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here we go. Let's launch this ship. Uh, okay. Concerning the Antichrist. Um, you know, he's a figure that I think probably most people have heard something about some being or some person called the Antichrist. Uh, probably not too many people pay that much attention to him or to what, what this is all about. But I guess for me and my realization, uh, the first time I really got any kind of uh, input or understanding concerning the Antichrist probably would have been in the revelation training that we had in 1976, uh, long before probably mo most of you or many of you were born. But, uh, you know, my wife and I had, uh, I came into the church life in 75. My wife had come into the church life in 73. We met in New York City and we migrated across to California uh, the day after we got married. So we were there uh, for the winter training in 76. The revelation training also uh, took place in the summer training of 76. And if you actually go to the life study messages, there's, there's a series of messages concerning the Antichrist. Uh, Brother Lee spoke about the Antichrist in a fairly significant way. Um, but the impression you get, of course, is when you think of Antichrist, you also think of Europe based on Revelation 13, uh, where there's reference to the beast, and then Revelation 17, where, uh, you know, there's the description of Babylon the Great, also Revelation 18, Babylon, uh, both spiritual and material. And you realize this, the focus of Babylon, of course, is Rome, and Rome being in, in Europe, uh, Bradley spoke of a restored Roman Empire, a restored Roman Empire, a concept that I hadn't heard before. But uh, he mentions that, of course, Antichrist, what, what gives anybody any kind of power or authority is he needs to have some kind of platform from which to operate. So the Antichrist as an individual person is not going to be able to do much unless he has a platform, a foundation. And you realize it if you really look at the scripture and, and the Revelation life studies, you realize 
his platform is this restored Roman Empire. And of course, when you consider the history of the Roman Empire, uh, it does encompass a lot of territory, not just Europe, but North Africa and parts of Asia. But really the heart of the Roman Empire is Europe. So when we use this concept, the restored Roman Empire, really it's a, it's a reference. We don't, we're not, we don't know precisely the geography of what that's going to look like. And nobody's, nobody's saying precisely or exactly what will be in the Ro restored Roman Empire, but we do know that a substantial portion of it will be Europe, certainly, certainly Rome. So with that in mind, and, I, uh, and of course, based on what we heard in the life study messages during that time, uh, right away, there's a very strong impression concerning the significance of Europe in the end times because of the emergence of the Antichrist. And of course, the Antichrist, what he does, he persecutes God's people. And then he brings about so many other things that uh, lead to lead to the, the final battle of Armageddon and the, and the return of the Lord with the, with the overcomers. So Antichrist, of course, is a key figure, but to, in my mind, it was always Antichrist and Europe. And so maybe with that being said, I will now hand the ball off to either Reggie or Tom. Well, <clears throat> I would like to refer to some verses in Revelation 17, if that's okay. I hope it's not too, uh, too tedious to do this, but in Revelation 17, starting with verse 9, it says, Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads, it's talking about this beast with seven heads and ten, uh, ten horns. The seven heads are the seven mountains where the woman sits. And the woman is referring to Babylon the Great, which is Rome. It's in Rome. <clears throat> uh, whether I should say it or not, it's the Roman Catholic Church, which Antichrist will destroy in one hour. I mean, it's quite, quite powerful. And then from there, it says, and uh, the seven horns are the, are the seven kings. Five have fallen, referring to five, five of the Caesars had either been murdered or committed suicide. Uh, and you could, you, history will tell you that. One is, and that was the one that was alive and functioning when John wrote this. Uh, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain only a short time. So that implies that the Antichrist is one of the Caesars of the Roman Empire, okay? That's hard for us to comprehend, being that the Roman Empire collapsed, uh, you know, over, you know, around 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> uh, but, and then the one that comes will only uh, uh, remain for a short time. And the beast who was and is not, that's, you know, the, the one that comes for a short time, he himself is also the eighth and is out of the seven and goes into perdition. Okay, so you need a lot of explanation to understand that, but this tells us this is why we have the thought or the understanding that at the end of this age, Europe will be kind of the center of all of the Antichrist activity. 
And we had a real, real clear understanding that before Antichrist comes, before he establishes his kingdom, the Lord must have something in Europe as a testimony, a significant testimony, uh, lampstands in every major city as an anti-testimony against the Antichrist. We're for Christ. We're one with Christ, and Christ needs his testimony. So that, that's why Europe is significant. And, uh, you know, it's hard to know where, where America is in the biblical, you know, prophecy, because it's not meant, it's very obscure, and it's not, it doesn't seem like it's a significant player in the world events at the end of the age. Uh, how that happens, we don't know. But we do know that Europe is central. <clears throat> Sorry, I hope I didn't lead us all off track here. No, it's good. No. Um, Brother Reggie, do you have anything to add before we go on? No, no, that, that's good. It's really good. Okay. Well, you know, brothers, I mean, our, uh, let me put it this way. Um, our God is a moving, he's a flowing God. And uh, often in conferences and trainings, we hear about the inward aspect of his move to deify us, right? To make us the same as he is for his corporate expression. Um, and, uh, but there's also another aspect of his move and that's the outward aspect. And that outward aspect of his move uh, has a direction. It, it has to have a direction, uh, practically speaking. And so how can we know from the word and in your, in your understanding, what is the direction of, of the Lord's move? Speaking from a kind of outward practical standpoint, based on what we've, what we've seen and uh, the speaking that we've been under and, and what we see from the word, what is the, what is the direction of the Lord's move? And I'll direct that to any of you who want to pick that up. My understanding is that the direction of the Lord's move in an outward sense would be toward Europe and Jerusalem. Yes. Um, and that's because, well, uh, through the years, there have been a number of times in our history and in our experience uh, where we realized, and of course, based in large part on what Tom just said, we realized that at the end of the age, Europe has a particular significance. And of course, also Jerusalem. You know, yes. one of the very significant things concerning uh, when you consider the matter of the end of the age, you know, when you look at the prophecies, Matthew 24 and so forth, you realize uh, the land and then, of course, Jerusalem uh, being the location of God's people, the chosen ones of the Old Testament, uh, that they play a significant role in the end times. 
And so uh, uh, the Lord in Matthew 24 uh, provides a prophecy concerning the restoration of Israel. And that took place in 1948. Yes. And he indicated that in 19, from that time of 1948, uh, this would be the generation in which we would see the Lord come again. And so uh, any kind of discussion about the Lord's return, any speculation about the Antichrist, who is he, where does he come from, when will the Lord come back, anything along the line that took place prior to 1948 really had no real credibility to it because the nation of Israel had not yet been restored. For example, uh, in World War I and World War II particularly, there was speculation among Christians. I know that in one case, many Christians speculated that Mussolini, the leader of Italy at the time of World War II, they thought he was the Antichrist. But yet this was really, this was impossible because uh, the, the nation of Israel had not yet been restored. When 1948 comes about and the nation of Israel is restored really in a kind of miraculous way, if you really study the history, for that to happen was just an incredible event. Well, that begins a process in which you have to really consider and apply the prophecies to consider what, what is the Lord's doing? What is the Lord's mind? Then, of course, in 1967, uh, Israel was able to recover possession of the city of Jerusalem in the Six Days War. This also was quite an event that they were able to overcome the opposing forces, uh, the Arab nations that were surrounding them, and to recover the city of Jerusalem. Now, all of this is relevant because another prophecy in the Bible concerns the rebuilding of the temple. The rebuilding of the temple in the city of Jerusalem is a huge event. And of course, it has not yet happened. But according to Daniel and according to Revelation, we see that this temple will be rebuilt. Eventually, Antichrist will require people to worship him there. That's another story. We could really get into that, but and maybe we should. But... Uh, <clears throat> To get back to this basic idea of what is the direction of the Lord's move, we realize, okay, if Europe, <clears throat> if Europe and Israel are significant in the Lord's estimation, and certainly Israel is with Jerusalem, we also, as Tom stated, we realize Europe has significance. There needs to be a strong testimony of Jesus in these geographical locations for the end to come because we know that the Lord comes back for his bride. What causes the Lord to come back a second time is he comes to claim his bride. And where is the bride? How does the bride get prepared? The bride gets prepared in the local churches. There's no way to do this in organized Christendom because the very divisive nature of Christendom prevents this from happening. And so, brothers and sisters in the local churches, we need to realize that we're here not just to 
go to church on Sunday. We're here for the preparation of the bride. And so the Lord wants to do this in the local churches. If he doesn't have local churches in Europe, the question becomes, where is the bride in Europe? And the Lord will survey the situation and he asks the question, where is my bride? And when he sees the bride, that's what causes him to come back. So our estimation, of course, from the standpoint of the Lord's move, the modern day Lord's move began in the 20th century in China. The Lord began to raise up a recovery through Brother Watchman Nee and eventually Brother Witness Lee. The Lord began to move in a way to raise up local churches for his expression. Eventually, uh, the Lord spread, and this is, there's a whole story behind all of this, but eventually the Lord spread to the Western world and entered into the English language by way of the United States. And the English language being the number one language on the whole earth affords the Lord a way to spread the divine truths in an unprecedented way. If, if Witness Lee and if the Lord's recovery remained in China and was encased within the Chinese language, most of the earth would have no access to the divine truths that we enjoy in the Lord's recovery. But because the Lord took his recovery into the United States, it wasn't just to gain the United States, although the United States is a crucial nation, no doubt about it. But it also provided the Lord a way to bring the ministry and to bring the truth into the English language. Now, we are in the position of being able to spread these divine truths all over the earth. We have access to people all over the earth in all the nations through the English language. Having said that, still the question was, what about Europe and what about Israel? And when uh, we were there in the, in, in the 70s with, with Brother Lee and in the Revelation training and so forth, we realized there still wasn't hardly anything happening in Europe in the way of the Lord's move. And so the answer to this question, at least in my mind, concerning what is the direction of the Lord's move, it, for me, ever since I came into the church life, basically the direction of the Lord's move has always been toward Europe and toward Israel. And now, saints, we're encouraged so much by the fact that there really is something happening in Europe, and we're all part of it, and this is a great mercy to us. So the Lord is moving here to Europe so that his bride can be prepared and his enemy can be put to shame right here in the land of Antichrist. Amen. So I'll stop here. Amen. You know, it's really a good question um, because there's a, a real intrinsic move. This is the move of God in, in us to build himself in us, to grow in us, to saturate us. And without that inward move, no outward move would have any significance. There's been a lot of Christian activity. There's been a lot of uh, 
missionaries, various people that have gone out to do something. But unless the Lord could gain us and work himself into us, uh, there's not there's not much, there's really no outward move. And so this is why so much of, of the ministry is directed towards this kind of inward saturation rather than, and so we don't want to stress even in this conversation, uh, just the outward aspect, because without the inward aspect, the outward aspect is, is a shell. It's an empty uh, container. But outwardly, you know, the Lord said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole inhabited earth for a testimony, and then the end will come. And so the gospel of the kingdom, which is the kingdom gospel, which I understand, and I believe we understand this to be the, the gospel of the church life. The church is God's kingdom. Uh, needs to be preached and uh, spread. You know, we, we really, uh, right, Reggie, we're just burdened that every major city yeah. in Europe yeah. would have uh, a lampstand. And we don't expect that they're going to be large, you know, <clears throat> hundreds of people. You know, in America, we have some very established, you know, large local churches, been around for 20, 30 years. But uh, as, we, as we approach the end of this age, we're gonna see little churches. And this is why the constitution of the Lord in the believers is so crucial because for five of you to be in Athens, Greece, standing as the testimony of Jesus is not easy. It won't be easy. So the Lord needs to gain critical, crucial cities in Europe, all the way back to Jerusalem, uh, as, as Ray mentioned. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, <clears throat> this, <clears throat> the first time that, um, that I had a realization of this kind of uh, uh, move by the Lord that was an expression of something that was in the Lord's heart, something that the Lord himself wanted to do uh, was, <clears throat> was uh, in a message given in 1973. And <clears throat> that message uh, that <clears throat> was actually, it was just, a, it was a part of a, of a life study message on the book of Ephesians. And <clears throat> the message was talking about Christ being the church loving Christ. Amen. And and while while uh, speaking about this, uh, <clears throat> Brother Lee shared that uh, some Christians uh, have the thought that today is not the age for the building of the church, and that's a kind of uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but when I was growing yeah. when I was growing up, they used to speak about the invisible church. And that the, the church, the invisible church was an expression used to speak about that there, there is a something real called the church, but we don't see it today because, you know, it's just not possible to really have it. And <laughs> the history, the history of, of uh, so many, uh, <clears throat> so many hundreds of years has, has been a history of, 
there not being a testimony of the one body of Christ uh, properly expressed. So people, some people got discouraged and eventually they had teachings to express their, their thought. And that was eventually they thought it can't happen. It can't happen in this age, so it must be for the next age. <clears throat> but in this, in this message that was given, uh, it, it, was ex it was explained to us clearly that the next age is the age of the kingdom. And that, <clears throat> that there's only this age, that's the age of the church. So if the church is gonna be built according to the scriptures, it has to be in this age. And Matthew chapter 16, the Lord, the Lord said something. He said, I will build my church. Amen. And he said, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So for the for the Lord to <clears throat> for the Lord to say something like that, and then for the Lord to come back, and there is no church. If the Lord had to come back and, and the church is invisible, in a sense, Satan would have a boast. Right. You said you would build the church, but where is it? Right. And so this now becomes a, becomes a matter of, uh, uh, it becomes a, uh, a matter of whether the Lord will be shamed or whether the Lord will be glorified with regard to this. So if you think about what the brothers were sharing, if you think about, uh, well, and let me just mention one other thing. And that is that in Jerusalem, uh, that was where the church began. Yes. And when the, when the church began, the Lord uh, ascended from the Mount of Olives. And the, uh, the, the uh, disciples were told as, as the Lord was ascending, uh, this is in Acts chapter uh, one, uh, it says, uh, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you beheld him going into heaven. And then it says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet. So at the initiation, at the beginning of the church, the Lord ascended from the Mount of Olives. And they are told that the Lord will come back in the same way that they saw him ascend. And in the Old Testament, in Zechariah, there's a prophecy. It says, then Jehovah will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights in a day of battle. And his feet will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. So what you have here is a principle. Awesome. That that principle is that as the church began in Jerusalem with the Lord ascending, the consummation of this age will be with the Lord returning Amen. to the Mount of Olives. And as, if we look at the history of the church, the church began in Jerusalem and the Lord told them, he said, uh, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. So the course of the church went from Jerusalem spreading to Judea, to Samaria, and then it went uh, west to the Western world. Right. <clears throat> but according to this principle, just as with the Lord's ascending and returning, 
the, the course of the church will follow that same principle. As the church began from Jerusalem in its consummation, the church will go back to Jerusalem through Europe and the Middle East. Amen. So with this kind of, when this kind of thought uh, was first introduced to us, it was, it was introduced with a, with, a, with a burden that was, uh, if, you, if you hear that kind of message, you'll never be the same. Right. <laughs> uh, that it was a it was a it was a thunder roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our our inner beings. Brother Lee shared something. He said that this was something that had been on his heart for a long time. Right. And you know he and as Brother Ray was sharing about the how the Lord in his recovery in the, in the 20th century began with in China with his recovery, and there like a nursery grew up the recovery, and then the recovery was all of a sudden in 1949 with the takeover of the communists, they had, they had churches in every major city in China. But all of a sudden in one night, everything was gone. And our brother was very bothered by this and, and for quite a long time. Then he said, eventually the Lord showed him as brother Ray mentioned that this was under the Lord's sovereign sovereignty that what the Lord had given to the body in the recovery would, be, uh, would not be locked up in the Chinese language, but being, being brought to the West into the English language in the United States, there was a way for the spreading of the testimony of the Lord's recovery. Wow. Okay, uh, then in, in this message he shared, he said that, uh, this is, this is a statement that's really impressed me. He says, the United States, so the, the recovery spread came from Ch China, back through Taiwan, to some places in, the, in Asia, and then to the United States. Then he made this statement that was so striking to us, being ones who were raised in the United States. He says, but the United States is not the goal. Right. The United States is a stepping stone for Europe. Yep. That, that, that planted something in our heart yeah. to realize this is something about the Lord's yeah. desire. We, we felt like the Lord had opened up his heart to us to let us know something that was in his heart uh, regarding the move and the spread of this testimony. So Reggie, you were in that meeting. I was there. Tom, were you in that meeting? Yeah, I was there. Oh, man, I, I wasn't, but I've heard the recording of that message and my advice to the saints that are with us tonight, you haven't lived until you listen to that recording. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, because like Reggie said, th there's something that's just planted in your heart concerning Europe. And whether you go or not, that's really not the question. We all need to understand, you know, uh, what is the Lord doing in this age? And as Reggie pointed out, with the help of Acts and Zechariah, the Lord is coming back the, by way, the way in which he, he left. He's coming back in the same way. It's a remarkable thing. And and so now, what is our job? It, our job is to raise up lampstands and spread the truth. 
and live Christ in this land. Uh, you know, this land has had plenty of Christian history, no question about it. You know, Reformation, Rome is here. Uh, so many dear believers have lived here. Uh, uh, Trevor knows with the church history trips and so forth. I mean, it's got an amazing history here in terms of, uh, of church history. But uh, it's almost yeah. like it's gotten old. It's time has passed. It's ready for something new. Mm -hmm. Europe is ready for something new. And so we have the goods. You know, we have the Lord's up-to-date speaking. We have his up-to-date move. And now here we are positioned to spread what it is the Lord wants to do and to cooperate with him. So it's a great thing. And, and anyway, I do encourage the saints to get a hold of that recording, 1973 Summer Ephesians Conference. I think it's On the, what's, uh, what's it called, Reggie? The, the Christ, uh, Church Loving Christ? Church Loving yeah, Christ. That's right. You know what, do you know what number it is? It's uh, number message number five from that conference in LA in 1973. Right. So you can find it on the, uh, uh huh. In the, in yeah, the, on the uh, yeah web, uh, webcast or yeah the archives yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know so there's one the other Ephesians. yeah one of the one of the point I just like to mention and that is the Lord will never be defeated right there was a strong beginning in the church in Jerusalem and then in AD seventy when Titus came in and destroyed Jerusalem the church was wiped out. And the saints were scattered. But the Lord would never give up Jerusalem. He will go back there. He will have a testimony there. There will be a church there. The same in Rome, you know. Yes. The book of Romans is written to the church in Rome. Amen. And so the Lord has to have a prevailing testimony in Rome yeah. before he comes back. Right. And many other places. Yes. And so this is why we're burdened, you know. It doesn't mean every single local church. Uh, needs to be recovered, but certainly the key ones, the strategic ones, need the Lord's testimony. And who knows? Maybe all of them. Ephesus, you know, uh, you know, Philippi, Corinth. You know, who knows what the Lord will do in the coming years? But He will never be defeated. Right. Amen. Right. Lord, revive Your work in Rome. Amen. Right. And we thank the Lord for the saints that are there. Yeah. Yes. Praise the Lord for the church in Rome. Amen. And the church yeah. in Jerusalem. Amen. Can you imagine just in, in recent years, brothers, this is the other thing that strikes me these days. Uh, in fact, I think, Reggie, you went, you and Mary Jo went to the first Lord's Table in Rome. Isn't that right? That's right, Ray. 2012. That's right, Ray. And then uh, a year or two after that, the first Lord's Table in Jerusalem in 2013 or 14. Right here before our eyes, saints, the Lord has restored his testimony in these two crucial cities. This is a strong indication that the Lord is on the move. And the Lord, the Lord will, will redeem, revive his work all over the year. You know, in the center, the very center of 
Catholicism, which is in Rome. Right. The Lord now has a lampstand there. That's yeah. not a small thing. Not a small no, thing. No, That's not a no, small thing. No. You read Revelation 17 and you see what the Lord's, how the Lord regards Rome and Mystery Babylon. Yeah. See what happens there. And for the Lord to have his testimony, uh, his masterpiece, the church, is in Rome, is a tremendous thing. And so this is what we mean when we talk about shaming the devil and the Lord gaining the glory in Europe. For those of us who love the Lord, we can look at these developments and realize he is doing it. Yes. Amen. You know, maybe, is it okay if I mention one more thing? Trevor, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Please, if you go. want to direct us. I, you know, brothers, um, part of the model, for example, Rome, the church in Rome is small. It's not a big church. It's not hundreds. It's uh, just seems like just, in fact, they're probably listening. You know, they're on this call. Um, or on this, this, this meeting. And, you know, the church in Rome may, may not be a large, we don't mean, you know, when it means a prevailing local church, we right. don't mean hundreds and thousands of people. Right. What we mean is that they are a pure product of Christ, that they are standing you know, if the church is large or the church is small, according to the Bible, it's a golden lampstand with, you know, right. gold, golden lampstand, full of the spirit, full of the, the yeah. oil and shining. Right. And so, you know, as we, as we continue to take more cities in Europe, we need more brothers and sisters that are able to move into some of these cities and stand there, even in a small number. Right. Some, you know, some of us, we need a church of 100, 500 saints to survive. But the Lord needs some who will go and stand, even if there's a, a small number. Amen. Even if it's just a few. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not so much a matter of quantity, but quality, right? When you consider yeah. the lampstand, the lampstand yeah. is golden and it shines forth Christ. There's light there and we all are lights of the world. So the, it's not a question of the number of saints, but are those saints enjoying Christ? Amen. Yeah. Are they filled with the oil? Mm -hmm. It's a matter of buying the oil. Mm -hmm. When the oil is there, in the lampstand, then there is the shining. Amen. So, yeah, I agree, Tom. We don't need huge numbers, you know, but we we do need, of course, Europe, you know, not being easy in some respects, uh, you know, as far as, uh, uh, you know, are, are living the Christian life. But, you know, and of course, in these days, I don't think anywhere is easy to live the Christian life, but... Uh, <laughs> But still, in terms of what we're doing here, for us to buy the oil is the real issue, you know. And and when we buy the oil, then the Lord can shine forth wherever we are. Amen. 
Actually, if I can jump in here, and th this might be a good time to bring this up, um, Tom. In in regards in regards to this, um, you know, having a testimony in a city, it not being that that large, then you know, having a few of those in a country. Um, I know that through fellowship that we've had in the past, you you talked about how Brother Lee had a had a a plan for the United States take this many cities that we can move on to Europe and then eventually Jerusalem. And there was, there was like this kind of, I, I'm, I'm really into like battle plans, you know, like, especially when you're serving, you kind of just want to know what the goal is so you can have something to aim for. Um, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, what do you, what do you brothers uh, look for in regards to having a, a certain testimony in a country where the laboring, the laboring obviously would not stop in that place, but that, okay, we, we now, we now feel like we, we have a significant stronghold in this country and now we can start sending resources to the next place. What, what exactly are some indicators that you're looking for? Um, anyway. Yeah. You know, I, I can refer to, um, uh, I was reading through the collected works. I think it was 1978, maybe, or, or maybe 73. You know, I, I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. Um, it'd be easy to find um, by searching, you know, on migration. And <clears throat> where, and I was there. I mean, I was in Los Angeles at this time when this was happening. The first migration went out from Los Angeles in 19. 70 and and that's that's not exactly true because some went out earlier but came back because it wasn't they weren't ready and so the leadership was always a, a question of you know when you're going to take a place there needs to be some some proper responsible brothers okay so in 1970 there was seattle uh chicago atlanta was taken i think in 69 Houston was gained by the consolidation of some smaller places. Well, then it was some, some years later, it, it might've been 70, 72, you know, I, I might be wrong. Um, it's like uh, there was a gathering and I think it was in o Akron, Ohio, when Brother Lee was there for a conference and he was fellowshipping with the brothers just to co, you know, he'd always do this wherever he went and had a conference, the coworkers or the leading ones from that area would meet with him and I've been in some of those meetings when it was in California. And, and it's always interesting because, you know, he just fellowships. He's just one of the brothers wherever he was. And, uh, he, you know, he'd say, you know, we need to take this country. And I've been thinking about this. Uh, we got the four corners. You know, we got there was a church in New York from before San Francisco, L.A., Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta. And then uh, after some migrations in 71 and 1972, then, uh, you know, there was like 15, 14, something like that, 15 cities that had been taken. And he said, you know, um, we need 50 cities. We need to gain 50 cities in this country to really establish the Lord's testimony here. And so the point was this, is that, he thought in a very strategic way. And so he identified 50 cities that we need to take in America 
uh, to gain America. And, uh, and he said, already we have, I think it was 16 at the time. I think we already have 16. So that leaves 34. And, uh, you know, it was like this. And so how can we, how can we take the next 34? So he thought, then he recounted, you know, he recounted back when the first migration went out in 1970, that a, that a church in Los Angeles of about 600 saints sent out 100. You know, I mean, I don't know what percentage that is. And this is not 100 of the weakest ones. This is 100 of the strongest ones or the, the ones that were willing and able to move. And so they went out. And so then a year later, they sent out another 50. And then a year later, they sent out another... So there was always this kind of culture uh, in those early days in the church life where you never sat still. You didn't sit in your locality for decades. Um, and I remember, you know, I remember when at the summer trainings, the brothers, you know, in fellowship with Brother Lee would announce this summer we're taking 15 cities. I don't know. You remember that, Reggie? Yeah. 14 cities. And uh, it'd be like, you know, we're going to strengthen New York and then this and San Diego and San Jose and, uh, you know, Phoenix. And, uh, you know, they just listed all these cities and then they charged the saints to go to the Lord and ask the Lord, will you send me to one of these cities? Uh, will you lead me to go to one of these cities? And so we would go and pray. And some of us were quite, you know, I was quite young at that time and I was newly married and excited. You know, uh, I, I wanted to be part of the Lord's move. And so uh, Joyce and I, we signed up. Uh, uh, we signed up to go to New York. Uh, really? Yeah. And then uh, we got the word, you know, the brothers felt it would be better for us to stay. Oh, what we were so we disappointed, you know, that we <laughs> we had to stay, you know. Um, but several times we we signed up to to move, you know, and so this was just kind of the the atmosphere and the culture. We're taking the earth, you know. We're taking America, and uh, we'd go out. And eventually, I think it was 1973. A lot of cities were taken, but many of them were not able to survive because the, the leadership was weak. There were, we'd, we'd sent out all the leaders already. And so the saints were not able to sustain. And so we realized from our history, that's a possibility that you could go to a place and not be able to sustain the Lord's testimony there. You have to have you know, the right ones to go. But anyway, this thought, and so we've had this kind of thought uh, Trevor, to answer your question about a battle plan, about taking Europe, you know, we, we do have a list, but we haven't said too much about it. And I'm not sure I'm at liberty to say much, but we have released six cities at this point that we feel either need strengthening, need to be recovered or to, to be taken. And then we've got another six right behind it. You know, by by the time we named the six cities, we had, I think we had twelve or thirteen, right? That yeah. we were. So uh, you know, we we need to get on the move. I think the brothers and sisters, we need this culture, even in Europe. Yeah. You know, and and sorry, I, I don't want to take too much time, but 
in Europe, you know, we've always come to America with our hat in our hand and our hand out, you know, we need, we need the financial help. We need the help from people, but brothers and sisters, the Lord's recovery has been here in Europe now for a long time. Yeah. Many have been matured, have grown in life, have learned to coordinate and can be sent out. Um, there's no reason uh, for the brothers to hold anybody back. Uh, we, we, you know, we can go out. And if you have a church of, of a hundred, you could send 10. You know, if you have a church of 150, you could send 15, make, make it a tithe, you know, <laughs> make it a tithe. You offer to the Lord. May tens flow out of uh, Dusseldorf and, and 10 flow out of Berlin and 10, um, you know, how many cities you could take in a year, every year you send out 10%. How about, how about, now I'm just talking about Germany, you know, Munich and Stuttgart and mm. why not brothers? Yeah. Why couldn't we do this? Right. Amen. Yes. And then, and then that might stir up some saints in the U S to come. But I, if we took this, if we picked this up ourselves, my, instead of looking to others to do this for us. Right. Am I too much? Talking, uh... Reggie, uh, you know, you were in that meeting that you described in 1973. Yeah. yeah. Something happened in your being and it caused you to migrate, right? That's right. And you migrated from the West Coast to the East Coast in the United States, about 3,000 miles. That's right. Would you, would you share with us a little bit about your experience there? Uh, so... I, I, Tom mentioned when uh, when when there was fellowship regarding uh, the Lord's spread, and there was there we you know if there, there was some kind of feeling within you to uh, respond to one of those places, the saints who all had the same general feeling, we, we came together and we prayed for a year for that place, and after right. uh, after after praying for a year. Uh, we moved to <clears throat> we moved to Boston. <clears throat> Actually, um, the the move there was under the uh, was under the kind of atmosphere and the fellowship and view that the Lord wanted something in Europe, and so <clears throat> we we had the thought that we weren't going there just to stay in Boston, but that we would be going there, and that after some time we would go on to Europe. That, that was already something sewn into our, in our being. Because he was, you know, the word at that time, brothers, you brothers were there. The word was go east, go east. There right. you were, there you were in California. Yeah. It was time to go east because this goes back to Nathaniel's question about the direction of the Lord's move. Yeah. It wasn't to go west, north or south. It was go east. Yeah. And the going east is with a view toward continuing to go east mm -hmm. until you get into Europe and Jerusalem. Amen. Right? That's right. Yep. <laughs> Quite amazing. So uh, along this line, brothers, could you could you share with us uh, how, how how does the Lord call us? 
in your experience? And, you know, how do we know um, that he's speaking, that he's calling us to move with him? And obviously there's maybe a little bit of a distinction between he's moving and we agree with his moving. And, but what about us responding? How do we respond to his call? And, and even in your experience, how, how did that happen for you? Wow. So I, I, any of you who want to pick that up, just amen. <laughs> You know, I think I would I would need to trace the Lord's calling uh, for me to come to Europe back to uh, my seeing the eternal purpose of God to build his church, prepare his bride and end this age. Amen. And then within me was just the heart and the prayer, the prayer, brothers and sisters, to yeah participate to have have a portion in what the lord was doing at the end of the age this got into me when i was very young i was 18 years old maybe i was idealistic maybe i was just a high school kid that was you know super inspired and yes a hundred thousand percent natural and in a movement kind of in my mind you know really uh, wanting to jump on you know and but through the years this has never left me, has never left me. Amen. And then, you know, in those messages, like the brothers were referring to, then it became clear that the direction of the Lord's move was across America as a stepping stone. The goal was Europe and Jerusalem. And so it was just, it was just there. I mean, this is like part of my DNA, you know, I and, you know, and I've, I've told this or explained this testimony many times, but I, and I'll mention it briefly, that in 2003, I was invited for the first time to join the European Young People's Conference. And, man, it hit me like a, like a brick, you know. Wow. To be able to have an impact on the young people in Europe who will be used by the Lord at wow. the end of the age, to turn the age, I thought this was the greatest privilege of my whole life. If if I just died today, man, I would have had a fulfilled life. You know, wow. I came back. I remember taking uh, Brother Benson and Brother Albert aside and just telling them, "Man, you gotta you gotta see what's going on in Poland." I mean, this was great. I came the first time with Brother Clem Clem Rogers, and and then every year every year since then. Now I don't know 20, 18, 17 years year after year after year and and they know anyone who has been in those conferences know what's in me and coming home i would pray lord are you sending me to europe do you want me to move to europe but there was there was no clarity but there was a burden and i just had the feeling this is this burden is within me because it's a burden in the lord's heart and it's in the body of christ yeah. And then when the call came uh, for Germany, it's like the Lord said, okay, now, <laughs> like that. It was like, now. Wow. wow. So then there was no question. Just get on the plane, get over there. And uh, wow. So I don't know if that's a model, if that's an example, if that's, 
I don't know what that is. That's just maybe a, a Damascus kind of experience. <laughs> Sorry. You know, like like Tom said, I I, I my my sense and my experience I think was has been uh, quite similar in the sense that it begins with having uh, having a kind of an experience of the Lord where you just realize uh, we're here to follow the Lamb wherever He may lead, you know, and, and we just want to live that kind of life. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter so much. I mean, of course, there's many practical things and practical considerations, time, place, how to do it, all those things are big questions. But the first thing that really needs to be addressed, and, and I just consider it the Lord's mercy, that from the time I came into the Lord's recovery, when I, when I came this way, you know, I, I, did, I was not someone who was just jumping at the chance to take the way of the Lord's recovery. The Lord had to drag me in here because I was a Christian. I had been a Christian for about two years, but I really liked being in the world. It was working for me. You know, I had one foot in the world and one foot in Christ and I was doing okay. It didn't bother me, but then I met the brothers and I, with the brothers, I started getting the trouble. And uh, we would talk, we would have Bible studies with the brothers, and we would talk about how nice they were and how much they knew the Bible. But we thought, oh, we don't really want to be like them because those guys are so square, you know? I mean, they're just so straight. And there was no way that we were going to want to take, be like that. So, the Lord then eventually, I won't go through the whole story, but uh, the Lord just wouldn't let me go. He was relentless. He was relentless. And he wouldn't let me go. And he wore me down to the point where I agreed to attend this conference. And at the conference, I was caught. I just realized on the whole earth, there's only one place where you meet. And that is in Jerusalem. Amen. You, you, this is the place that God has chosen. And the Lord spoke that word to me in this conference. And I realized, you know, it's not really my choice. I have to take the Lord's way. If I'm, if I'm at all a person who has a heart for the Lord, I need to learn to obey his word and take his way. And then as a result, I moved into the brother's house that week. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but once I was here, I just realized, okay, if I'm here, I don't want to be here like I'm going to church on Sunday. I'd already done that. I didn't want to be here, you know, as some kind of, you know, hobby. Uh, I just had the feeling, wow, you know, this is what the Lord is doing on the earth. This is, we talk about the Lord's move. We talk Amen. about building the church. This is the greatest enterprise in human history. You can't do anything better or higher than what we are doing. And so 
I just want to be here in this kind of a way. Now, I, that doesn't mean I've been a super overcomer throughout my years in the church life. I mean, the Lord has had to bring me through failures and stubbornness and disobedience, and he has had to deal with that. But I really feel, saints, we are at a stage of human and divine history where we are the most blessed people. Wow. And uh, I, I, I would refer you to a little booklet called A Life of the Altar and the Tent, based on Abraham, the story of Abraham, who lived a life of the altar and the tent. And I do believe the Lord is calling us to live this kind of life, where we just put everything on the altar. We're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to give him everything. And then we live a life of the tent where we're not stationary. We're not stuck to the earth. We're not anchored. We're willing to go. We're willing to follow him wherever he leads us. And so uh, I was in the church life for about a year. And then my wife and I got together. And then we were in this meeting in New York. And there was a fellowship presented to us that we would have the opportunity as young people to move to uh, Orange County, California, to be there to be under the training with Brother Lee, that Brother Lee would train the young people, and that we would also learn to labor on college campuses. And so we could move to cities in Orange County where they had university campuses. And I remember when the brothers presented that fellowship, they exhorted the young people, here's an opportunity for you. This is a call. Pray about this. Fellowship with the leading ones and consider, would you migrate to the West Coast? At the conclusion of that meeting, I was already clear. And I, I saw another brother who's now in Orange County. And I saw this other brother and we looked at each other face to face, we didn't say a word, but we just started laughing because we both knew that we were going and we just were clear. This is an opportunity I'm not gonna let pass me by. And so that began a life where we have migrated a, a number of times, uh, each time a different kind of story, each time a different kind of situation. Um, and but but I think it begins like Tom indicated, you know, that it begins with orienting our being and dealing with our heart so that we realize, you know, we're not here to be in and for this world. You know, eventually I, I went to law school in, in Los Angeles and I practiced law for 25 years. And I can tell you that, you know, being in the recovery, being available to the Lord, being willing to live a life of the altar and the tent is far superior than anything that the world can give you. Now, we did that. That was the Lord's arrangement. We lived that kind of way under the Lord's leading. The Lord was sovereign. We learned lessons. But... My point here is just to say that we should not be so attracted and think that the world would be such a pleasant kind of thing and something we would want to do. 
Of course, we did it, and we did it out of necessity to make a living. But you can't compare what goes on in the world with what the opportunity we have in the recovery, in the church life. So anyway, there's a lot more we could share about migration and following the Lord, but that's just a little, little example. Reggie, how about you? You went to Boston and then together we went, you went from Texas and we went from California. We went to Boston again. Yeah. You, mig right. you migrated there twice. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so uh, in, in 1977, uh, there, uh, there was a conference in Stuttgart, Germany, mm. on the kernel of the Bible. Right. And uh, in that conference, uh, Brother Lee talked about uh, what is the central matter, as Tom referred to, the central matter, the kernel of the Bible. And that in this kernel, the Lord uh, wants to gain a testimony, which is which is includes people that are uh, that are living Christ and are uh, allowing Christ to be their life and their everything. And that by living this kind of life, their, their church life becomes a testimony of Jesus. And in that, in that message at that time, uh, he talked about how the Lord needed, uh, before the Antichrist came, the Lord needed to have a strong testimony in Europe. And he, he spoke about many different cities. At that time in Europe, uh, you know, the, the, the places that he mentioned uh, didn't have this kind of testimony. And uh, I think he, he said Paris needs one, uh, London needs one, and you know, Rome, Rome needs one. And then uh, in that message, uh, the, the utterance in that message was very inspiring to me. Maybe I could just read a few sentences from it. Uh, <clears throat> It says, the time, the time is short. Mm. This is from the kernel of the Bible, chapter 18, the Lord's need for churches. The Lord is coming soon. As we pointed out, before his coming back, he needs to complete the building of the church. It would be a shame to him to come back without finishing it. Then he said, look at today's Christianity. Look at the Catholic Church, the denominations, and the free groups. Uh, what a mess. What a confusion. Is not all this a shame to the Lord? How could he come back to such a situation? Where is the fulfillment of his word in Matthew 16? I won't, I won't waste too much. But then, so then he, then he goes on, praise the Lord that our eyes have been opened to see the need of the building of local churches. In Italy, France, Switzerland, England, Holland, Denmark, Sweden and Norway, there is such a need. How I long that you all would be burdened to go to the major cities in Europe so that the Lord might have a church in each of them. Amen. And then listen to this. This is, this is a, a kind of a thought, you know, responding to Brother Nathaniel's question. This is a kind the, uh, the expression that is included in this chapter is very touching. He says, you need to say, Lord, burden me to yes. go to Paris for the church life. Lord, burden me to go to Rome so that you may have a church there. Oh, Lord, burden me for a church in Stockholm. 
then he says, okay, uh, then, okay, down here it says, uh, this is not a matter of doctrine. I hate the mere doctrine of the church. I want to see some genuine living churches. Amen. I do not care for the number that are in these churches. If there could be a church in Rome with 150 people who are shining, filled with Christ and immersed in Christ, the Lord would be able to boast to Satan. Right. He could say, Satan, in your city of Rome, I have a shining church. Amen. Now listen, listen to this thing. <laughs> go, Reggie, go. You read this and your inner being just gets touched so deeply. Brothers, you all must be burdened for the churches in Europe. Right. What is the use of merely studying the Bible, attending conferences, and listening to messages? The Lord needs churches. Amen. Young people, the Lord needs churches. You must bear the burden for this. Amen. Surely the Lord desires a church in Madrid, the capital of the old Catholic country of Spain. Now listen to this. Who is willing to be wow. burdened to go there? Wow. Wow. The Lord is calling for this. Who will go to Paris, to London, to Rome? In these dark cities, there's no lampstand. Oh, the Lord is calling. Who is, <laughs> who is willing to be burdened to go to a major city in Europe so that the Lord may have a church there? Amen. You just okay. Then I, I just a little bit more. Reggie, remind section, us what what chapter that is, or what message? Chapter eighteen. Is. Chapter okay. eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now listen to this. Some may wonder how we can be used by the Lord for the spread of the churches. The only way is to consecrate yourself every morning and every evening, day after day. Wow. Again and again, you need to pray, Lord Jesus, I consecrate myself to you. Amen. I offer myself to you for your church. Amen. If you do this, the Lord will open the way. Something will happen. The Lord will lead you to someone or he Amen. will lead someone to you. Okay, then he goes on. He says, uh, then he gives his own testimony. Maybe I won't read that. But what touched me very much is, is the matter of... Uh, the willingness of uh, our response. How, how the Lord leads us is another matter. But the willingness right. that wow. our heart is, our, our inner being is touched with the reality of the fact that the Lord has a need and our inner being is moved with compassion to respond. Amen. I really like what Reggie just shared. I think we all do. The willingness, you know, and... Uh, you know, who was it that said, uh, here I am, Lord, send me? Uh, we don't know exactly what the Lord will do. We can't predict. It's like Hebrews chapter 11, where Abraham, you know, it says concerning Abraham, by faith, Abraham went out, not knowing where he was going. We need such a spirit of faith to, that we would be willing to just tell the Lord, Lord, my life is in your hands. Amen. I am here on the yeah. earth for Amen. your interests. Amen. I'm not here for my own self-interest. I'm not here to protect myself. I put myself in your hands Amen. 
to seek first the kingdom in this way is, is a blessed privilege. And yeah. especially now at this, at the end of this age, when the Lord still is looking for saints who will come together for the building up of the reality of the body. Amen. But the question is, who will do it in Europe? And one thing I'd like to say, saints, is, and this is something I think Tom referenced, we shouldn't take the attitude that we're here in Europe and we'll just, we just need to wait for people from America or Asia to migrate here and then go to the different cities that still need lampstands. What about us here in Europe? Why, why rely on, on others? You know, of course, maybe the Lord will, will use these saints, no question. And of course, many of us have come from America or from Asia. But now that we're here, I hope we would not lose the spirit of this kind of willingness to be available to the Lord for whatever he wants to do. And like Tom said, you know, we don't need large numbers in some of these cities. And we have six cities already designated with more to come where who will do the job of raising up the lampstands in these cities for the preparation of the bride? So we should pray for ourselves and we should pray for one another. Mm. Lord, cause us all to be willing to do whatever you want to do as the head of the body. We're here just to match him to meet his need. This is the greatest opportunity of our lives, saints, and we will never regret giving the Lord the cooperation he needs. Amen. You know, uh, I appreciated a line that Reggie read about the young people, that this is the, our responsibility and that the Lord, that we need to pick this up and bring this to the Lord. We need to take some initiative and say, Lord, will you send me to, will you, will you send me to Europe? Will you send me to Zurich, to Dublin, to these places? Uh, instead of waiting, you know, we might be in a, in a kind of a situation where we're just waiting for the Lord to tell us what to do. Um, and we're passive about it and maybe a little indifferent. But uh, we need to take the initiative to say, Lord, here am I. Send me, you know, send me. I'm open. I'm not in a movement. I'm not going to move by excitement. Right. I'm under your headship. I'm under your leading. Uh, I need you to send me. Uh, where, you know, Tom, where... Sorry, Tom. You know, sometimes, you know, when we say we don't want to move by excitement, <laughs> I, I fully agree with that. But, you know, sometimes I get a little disappointed when I hear that because I remember and I don't you know, we're not here just to travel down memory lane or anything, but coming to the recovery out of all the things you could be doing on the earth, you know, to be here in what the Lord is doing and to cooperate with the Lord, to me, that's exciting, Amen. you know, absolutely. You know, and, and the Lord wants to cast fire onto the earth. Amen. He wants to turn the world upside down. They did it in the book of Acts. Amen. How about we do it at the end of the age? Yes. To turn the world upside down. We were made for this. Amen. This is why we're here on the earth. And so here the Lord has placed us. What are we going to do with the opportunity that we have? Amen.
So, yeah, but I, I do agree. It has to be the Lord and not just human emotion. Yes. Yeah. I'm wondering, Reggie, what, what are you feeling right now? So I appreciate your your tears. Okay. Uh, in 1977, after this conference in Stuttgart, Germany, <clears throat> Brother Lee returned to the United States and gave a conference in New York. In that conference, <clears throat> he released the burden. He shared a principle of how the Lord had carried out his work when he was on the earth. <clears throat> he said that due to the religious situation in Jerusalem, <clears throat> that, that the Lord had no way to bring in something new, which is what he wanted to do at that time. <clears throat> so the Lord, <clears throat> he was forced to go to Galilee. <clears throat> and there he called some fishermen <clears throat> and some uh, young people, <clears throat> and he, he, he was with them, and he trained them for three and a half years. <clears throat> After training them for three and a half years, then the Lord sent them <clears throat> to be the ones through whom carry out his move that was the, the move of the body. He said that the Lord would do the same thing today, <clears throat> because although the Lord was burdened for something in Europe, they said the situation in Europe with the the the, uh, the tradition and the religion the, that there was no way for the Lord. He said there was no way for the bride to be produced in that situation. And so he said what the Lord would do was in the same way the Lord, he, he, he likened Europe to Jerusalem at the time of the Lord. And he, he likened the USA to Galilee. He said the Lord will go to the campuses in the U.S., that's the Galilee. And he would gain a group of young people and train them. And mm -hmm. then after some amount of time, he would send them to Europe for the, to spread the Lord's testimony. <clears throat> in 1977, I was there in this conference, heard this word. The response, the response in, the, in the churches at that time was, Brother Lee had the burden to train the young people. And so there, was a, there were about 500 young people in the churches in that time who came to Boston. And we were in the process, we, we, Brother Lee had, had himself designed a training center and we had purchased a piece of property in Boston. And we were in the process of clearing the land. Some brothers had come to, uh, to begin the work of the design for this, for this meeting hall, the, uh, the carry out the, the plans. It, <clears throat> so uh, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were there ready to be trained. <clears throat> but right, right at that time, there was a turmoil, a rebellion in the Lord's recovery in the United States. And there were two centers of this rebellion. One center was in Boston and the other center was in Anaheim. The two places that Brother Lee was burdened to train the young people with the view of them being trained to gain the young people on the campuses, train them and send them to Europe. Right. <clears throat> as, a re as a result 
of that turmoil, that rebellion, the, 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 uh, the building of the training center had to be abandoned. And that whole burden, it seemed like that whole burden was lost. So, uh, so we, just, we just went on uh, and it just seemed like it's, well, I guess it's just not gonna happen. So uh, that was 1977. Then in 2000 and 2008, uh, we heard that there was going to be a resumption of the Lord's table in Boston. And so we began to, you know, the, this fellowship was given. We began to uh, be encouraged about that and to pray about that. And, but uh, after not too long a time, there was, there's a further development. And we, we heard the news that they were not just going to build a meeting hall for the church in Boston but that there was gonna be a training center built in, in Boston. My, my wife was, uh, she was in the nursing mother's room of the meeting hall when that announcement was made and she just began to weep. And when I heard this, we thought it was all over. It was all over. You know, Satan thought he had a victory. He had wiped this out, he wiped this burden out. When I, when I, when I heard that, I just was so, so thankful to the Lord. You know, Tom mentioned that, you know, the Lord may be delayed, but he will never be defeated. Right. So I just felt like, wow, what a privilege. Uh, you know, it, sh it should have been us, my generation. We were young people. It's that opportunity to go to Europe to raise up the testimony of the Lord there for the hastening of his return, of cooperating with the Lord. That opportunity should have been to my generation. Right, right. But because of Satan's work. Right. That, that opportunity was no longer there. So many, so many, so many that are in my generation, they love the Lord, they wanted to follow the Lord, but the opportunity was taken away. Here I was given, given the opportunity to go there, to be a part of the Lord raising up something in resurrection. It just, I don't know how to express the feeling. <laughs> this, this is for the Lord's move. This is for the Lord's return. I just feel like there's a sin to, but it, this is from 1956, listen to this. When a person is graced with being part of one of God's special moves on the earth, it is the greatest blessing of his life. God's move makes an impression that he will never forget. And it becomes an unending source of supply to him. 
Amen. Whoever can participate in such a flow is most blessed. Amen. I believe that whenever someone who was in such a flow thinks back on it, he will have fond memories of that time. Listen, the flow of revival, it is a great blessing for a person to be able to participate in the flow of God's work, the flow of revival at least once in his lifetime. I just, I just am so, my wife and I were so deeply appreciative and thankful to the Lord <clears throat> that we could be a part of this move. So that's, that's what's the feeling within me, Vata. <laughs> wow. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Lord Jesus. Well, I, you know, maybe to follow Reggie briefly, uh, you know, and, and Tom, you, you were also part of all this, but I do remember very vividly the conferences that Brother Reggie just described, you know, and, and of course, as he said, it began with the conference in Stuttgart. Brother Lee returned to New York. By that time, my wife and I had moved from New York to Orange County. And we heard about this conference in New York that had taken place where Brother Lee had returned from Europe. And we heard that the young people were just on fire for, to, to be in the, uh, this opportunity to cooperate with the Lord for his move. And then of course, Brother Lee came back out to California. He came home in effect. And he gave a very similar conference to us. Tom, I don't know if you were there. You may have been yep, there. I was there. Yeah, April 1977. I was one of the young Galileans. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I know what you mean by that. But uh, April 1977, we heard this word. And we just were, again, like Reggie said, there was a center in Boston, a center in Orange County. Young people had assembled there. We had gone with a view to be under some training and then to cooperate with the Lord in his move, whatever that meant. We didn't fully know what that meant. We were making ourselves available. And we had an expression at that time, Christ and the church are taking the earth. And of course, there was a lot of natural zeal, no question. We needed, we needed to go, had to go through some hard lessons so that we could mature and grow in life. But certainly at that time, the ministry was trumpeting. There was a trumpeting sound and we heard the trumpeting and we, we were responding. But it's very interesting, immediately following the conference in Anaheim, the enemy subtly, we didn't even realize, we didn't understand what was happening. But in a very subtle way, the enemy right. began to come in and basically to attack the young people and to prevent these trainings from moving forward, either in Boston or Anaheim. They did not move forward at that time. And as a result, we lost many of our brethren, saints that we love and cared for, got distracted and disturbed and confused. Right. This is what happens with storms. It's like a tornado comes in, walls get blown down, people are confused. What's going on here? 
and this is this is what happened but it was it was directly an attack by satan to disturb and even to damage if not destroy the lord's move to europe because if you think about it if that training center had been actually built up in boston at that time wow and and young saints university saints had gone there to be trained and presenting themselves i i dare say that we wouldn't be here today we would all be in the third heavens enjoying the kingdom life with him <laughs> but i think you know why this hasn't happened because the lord wants to go to another generation it's not us like reggie said it's not us it's the second generation and now the opportunity is being presented to them. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you, brothers. That's very precious. So if anyone out there wants more fellowship, we're all available for fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Lord... The Lord can be delayed, but he will never be defeated. Right. And we're, you know, we're witnesses of a 30-year, at least a 30-year delay yeah. that came in. Right. You know. That's why when, when Reggie and I had the opportunity to serve in the Boston training, we were two crazy people there. We were crazy people because we, we had seen all, and, and, and although we weren't in Boston, we, we didn't have the same direct relatedness with Boston that the brother Reggie did, but we saw what had happened and we saw what the enemy had prevented. And now to see the Lord raise it up 30 years later, to have a training in Boston and for us to talk about the Lord's move to Europe and to be, make ourselves available for this. We were, we were crazy people. We would pray all the time and it was, here we are. The door has opened again. We're not going to let it pass by. We're not going to let the enemy in the door this time. Amen. Just gather together in groups of two and three and pray for Europe and see what happens to your inward parts. Amen. Yeah. You'll touch. You'll touch something. Amen. Brothers, I, I don't really know how to jump in here, so I'm going to, but we're going to try to keep this going. Um, it's been incredible, and um, we do have some more questions. I think I have a lot of, um, a lot of peers um, that, you know, I went, I went through the training with, and I remember, I remember Reggie coming, uh, you know, to speak to us when Nathaniel and I were in the training together. We were the same term. And Nathaniel and I, I, it really is true. If you, I, I think every, before every class, Nathaniel and I would, would gather with a couple brothers and we would do that. We would just tell the Lord to send us to Europe. Um, so I think my, my, one of my questions actually, I grew up, I grew up in a household where, um, you know, Matthew 24, 14 was, was spoken a lot. And I was, I was not a so-called church kid, but it was, it was always a kind of commission, at least in my house, 
that this applies to every single believer, um, the whole inhabited earth. And this was just a very common um, thought when I, while I was growing up. And so, you know, when I, when I came into the, to the church life, it was, uh, I just got more direction, I guess, as far as, uh, you know, how we would do that. Um, but, but to me, this is, I guess my question is, it seems as though the, the Lord has, he's already spoke these things. And, and he's already called every single Christian to do these things. And, and um, I guess um, a lot of times when I'm speaking to my peers, they really want a Damascus experience. They want some amazing, you know, a light brighter than the sun to, to knock them off their bed. And then, and then they're going to know that they're supposed to go um, anywhere. You know, I don't, it doesn't have to be Europe necessarily. It's just, but in, in this regard, this is what we're talking about. And that was always enough for me that for me, a lot of it was just the objective word of God telling, telling me to, to leave, leave my parents behind and go to the uttermost part of the earth. And I was just very willing to do that. I just, I just really needed to know where. And then when I came into the church life, I figured out where. Um, and so, so I'm just wondering how you can help some saints that might have these concepts of having these incredible, you know, heavens opening um, where the Lord might be speaking just through his word, uh, through your environment, through the body, uh, in different ways. Um, anyway, I think a lot of, a lot of people are hindered because they want this crazy experience. You know, I, I would like to refer back to what Reggie read from that book, the kernel of the Bible, when he said, you need to pray, you know, he said, the young people are responsible. And he said, you need to pray and ask the Lord to send you something like that. A am I right? Uh, you know, I don't know if Reggie has that handy. Could yeah. read that portion again. Because yes. that, see, that's, that's really the turning point is to ask the Lord to thrust you out. Yeah. You know, not everybody is able to be led. You know, it, and you're not passive when you're led. You're, you're active to follow. You want to be sent out. You want, you know, I think all of us are in Europe because we wanted it and we were asking the Lord for it and the Lord graced us with it. Did you find it, Reggie? Yeah, yeah, Tom, that's right. He says, uh, 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 you need to say, Lord, burden me to go to Paris for the church life. Lord, burden me to go to Rome. Uh, oh, Lord, burden me. So do we wait for the Lord to burden us or do we pray, Lord, burden me? Um, I, you know, just what you, you shared, uh, Trevor, about your, your times with Nathaniel to pray that the Lord would thrust you out or send you to Europe. Uh, I mean, I knew and everyone listening knows if you, if you trust us and believe us that Europe is strategic and crucial for the end of the age. And so 
uh, you know, I challenge everyone on this, on this, on this call, Lord, burden me, burden me more. I don't want to be just, I don't want to just be here, you know, burden me to move, to move again, to move again. You know, in a few weeks, it'll be five years since my wife and I moved to Dusseldorf. Uh, and uh, we're ready to move again, you know. Um, where will you send me? You know, we're not, we, we should always be like this. Burden me, send me. And uh, then, the, then the Lord will use the environment. He'll use everything. And then you'll, you'll be clear. You'll be clear. And it's not uh, a bright light from heaven. It's just a compelling, an inward compelling that leaves you no other choice. Can't stop yep. thinking about it. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, in fairness to the younger saints, you know, we've, we, we've, we have our testimonies, you know, as the old timers and hearing Brother Lee come back from Europe and sound the trumpet and so forth. Uh, you may say, well, maybe, maybe we don't have that today. Well, but maybe we do, but yeah. in a different kind of way. Yeah. Uh, I would say there's, there's two things to consider regarding our receiving a leading from the Lord. And that is number one, you really need to have an ear to hear. You know, many times the Lord may speak and you don't have the ear to hear uh, because you're not really open inwardly. You know, as we were talking about earlier, if we're oriented in the way of consecration, where we're just willing to live the life of an alt of the altar in the tent, we're, we, there's a basic willingness, then I think the Lord can do a lot in terms of speaking to us and leading us. But then I think in terms of, of getting that leading, in other words, if these brothers, for example, they, they have this willingness, Lord, but, but they don't know what to do or, or, or where to go or anything along this line, then you, you look to the Lord for a word and you, you ask the Lord for a word. And that word can come in a lot of different ways. I mean, my wife was telling me, reminding me uh, yesterday that she was in, a, in the summer training in 1999. And in that meeting, Brother Ron said, uh, he just wondered, would anyone go to Dublin? That's all he said. <laughs> he didn't give any kind of long word about Europe, the Antichrist, or any of this. He said, would anybody move to Dublin? And the Lord planted that seed. Of course, my wife also had the background that we did of hearing the word in the 70s. So it just seemed to us that sometime sooner or later, we would be going to Europe. We always kind of had that feeling. But then the, the more up-to-date word came in 1999. But still, we didn't get here until 2006. I mean, 2016. Of course, in 1999, she realized, she realized, well, at that point in time, it just couldn't happen because we were taking care of my mother. My mother was dealing with Alzheimer's and we were, we had moved into the home with her in New York. And so 
our hands were full at that time. So she, she just knew it wasn't going to happen, but still the Lord gave her a word. For me, we revisited this whole matter in 2006. There was a conference in Phoenix, Arizona, Memorial Day Conference. And there was a word there about marching on with the energizing God in his move all over the earth. And during that conference, there was just a word that inwardly, there was a leaping. Inwardly, there was a rising up. And you just knew, okay. And, and in that conference, they announced that there would be the first international conference of the UK and Ireland. And so my son and I came over in August 2006, attended the conference, and we just knew, we just knew that we were That's coming. It. At some point, we were coming. And during that conference, I discovered that I could get citizenship because my grandfather was born here. Now, not, not too many of the saints have that kind of situation, but I certainly I knew when I learned about that, I realized, okay, Lord, I, I understand. I understand. We'll be going. Then it was a question of the timing and working out a number of things from a human standpoint. So anyway, I would just share that, that a lot of our circumstances are different. We are, we're in different situations with different considerations, but the Lord inwardly, if you open yourself and make yourself available and ask the Lord for a word, at some point he may give you a word and he may, it may come to you in a, a surprising way, sitting there minding your own business. And the Lord says, what about going to Dublin? You know? Anyway. Do you want to add anything, Reggie? <laughs> A light from heaven? Maybe not, not at this moment, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think the real question comes down to whether or not we are people that can be led. Mm. You know, we're willing, we're open, we're consecrated, we're available. We're in the Lord's hand. Um, you know, it speaks in Revelation 15, 14 about the first fruits that these are they who followed the Lamb wherever He went, wherever He goes. And, you know, to be someone that can follow the Lord follow the lamb in a simple way, without argument, without opinion, without uh, checking the job situations and the uh, earning ability and the quality of the schools. No, you could just follow the lamb. He goes, you go. And you're, you're at rest with that. that that's, that's precious to be. And this, you know, may, may, may we all be such a person like that. Amen. Sorry, maybe I'm too much. Yeah, you probably if you need to get a job, you probably have to check the, you know, the job situation. But <laughs> that doesn't negate the point that we need to be those that can follow the lamb. Yeah, you know, even on even in that regard, Tom, you know. Uh, 
in 2006, I was still practicing law and I still, but I had the realization the Lord would want us, would want to make a way for us to come to Europe. I mean, it, it had become clear. Uh, 2007, <clears throat> we were still living in California, but I was starting to contact people in the UK and Ireland to see if there was a way I could get a job here. And, uh, you know, I just realized, you know what, uh, why would anybody in the UK want to hire some lawyer located out in Southern California? I mean, what would be the point of doing that, you know? Uh, but I realized eventually, to make a long story short, I was given an offer to be an attorney at Fordham University in New York. And I took the job. And the reason was, I considered, well, New York now, you're on the East Coast, you're connected to Europe, there's a relationship between New York and Europe, New York and Ireland. And in fact, Fordham University has one of the only Irish studies departments in the entire country. It was started by an Irish priest back at the time of the Civil War. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll go to Fordham. We'll start networking with Irish people, lawyers, uh, university people, and so forth, and see what might happen. Maybe I can get a job that way. And of course, it's a lot easier to travel and so on. And, you know, I'll just go there. Well, again, to make a long story short, within three months, we were back in California. <laughs> uh, it was just the Lord's sweet sovereignty to bring us through some, some things. And I had an experience very much like Job, where we, we learned how, in fact, the Lord spoke to me through the life studies of Job at that time, and pointing out that in his economy, all he cares about is dispensing Christ into us. And that whatever is going on in our outward environment is part of a stripping process in which we learn not, not to rely on other things other than Christ himself. So there I was, of course, I was trying to help the Lord get me to Europe. That's in effect, really, that's what I was doing. I thought, okay, I'll get to New York, get this job, Fordham's connected to Ireland, you know, we'll start, you know, building the bridge to get me over to Europe. And that was the, that was the whole strategy there. But that was just me and my human kind of conniving to try to work this out. Then the Lord just tore it all down. I'll tell you the story sometime. Amazing, amazing story. But then the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is a stripping so that you would learn to rely on nothing apart from Christ. And we were just blessed. So we returned to California and there we were. From 2007 to, to the end of 2010, I was miserable. I was still practicing law and I hated it. And I, I, I had to drag myself to work every day. Because I knew this is not what I wanted to do. Eventually then, even in that situation, 
at the end of 2010, the Lord spoke to me to go to Boston on a gospel trip. And during that time, through the fellowship with the brothers and the Lord's leading, the arrangement was made that I would serve with this Boston training that was just now being planned. And eventually that's what caused us to move to Boston along with Reggie and Mary Jo in August, 2011. But there was a whole background to that where I was all the time trying to get to Europe, trying my own ways, but the Lord just took care of everything in the environment eventually to produce a situation where we could go. Amen. So another part of all this process, saints, is to have an ear to hear the Lord speaking. But then even in the details, I think many times we get stumbled by the details and the worries and the planning and how to work this out. You know, and of course, that doesn't mean we, we don't consider these things, you know, but the Lord, the Lord is the Lord. And if you beseech him, if you pray to him, Lord, make a way for me to go. Amen. You have a kind of an anointing in the leading. I do believe the Lord can make a way for us. Amen. 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 I don't know, brothers, are we causing you all a lot of trouble or, or are we okay or? <laughs> well, actually, no, it's been, it's been beyond anything we could expect. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I have maybe one short follow on and then we have something else, but um, just related to this this question of responding to the Lord and, and following him. Yeah. Um, I wonder, Brother Reggie, if you would have some feeling to share along the lines of Isaiah 6. I was in a in a meeting when you did share something along that line. Yeah. But um, it just struck me that uh, the Lord has spoken. And he just needs a response. And that was a big help help to me, because as Trevor mentioned, and I think this is the case with a lot of people my age and younger, um, you know, you just want you, you want to hear something special <laughs> because a it can kind of make you feel a little bit special, but it just gives you some reassurance. But I think part of it is learning and knowing how does the Lord speak to us, you know, and, and, and that he doesn't always speak to us in a kind of Damascus-like experience. This may be a very important decision, but the way he speaks to us may be maybe not how we expect. So anyway, just short, quick follow-up on that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that that uh, matter of response is something that is, is uh, quite touching. Uh, one of the things that one of the things that touches me is that uh, what we're what we're talking about is not just a not just a truth, and it's not just a doctrine, but there's a person, the Lord Jesus, that we love. There's, there's there's a person who has some feeling, and that he has something on his heart, and he has something what he wants to do. When we get when we get into an intimate and personal and affectionate contact with him, 
his feeling has an opportunity to touch our feeling. His heart has an opportunity to touch our heart. So it becomes a response, not just to a truth, not just to a doctrine, but to a person that we love deeply. So um, what Brother Nathaniel was referring to, at one time the Lord touched me that uh, just how much the Lord is looking for a response from us. The way the Lord operates is, although he wants to do something, and in himself, he, he is capable of doing everything. He has, according to his uh, New Testament economy, he yeah. has limited himself and <clears throat> that, that he limits himself to man. And he, he, in other words, he needs man's cooperation. He needs man's, man's willing cooperation with him. And so the, it, the extent of the cooperation that we give to the Lord is the extent of how his move can go forward. And so uh, the Lord just touched me one time that so the Lord the Lord needed someone that he could send uh, to the children of Israel to speak to them his word uh, as a prophet. And the Lord the Lord already knew who it was that he wanted to send. And uh, but you know, he didn't, and it was Isaiah, but, but he didn't force Isaiah. He didn't compel Isaiah. Uh, and he, he still, he still uh, respected and honored Isaiah's choice. But it, it just struck me one time when Isaiah got an opportunity and he saw a vision of the Lord in glory. And then the Lord spoke to him and the Lord said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? It's, it's like, here, here's, the, here's the triune God, the almighty God, wow. but yet he's limited, because he's limited himself to man, it's like <clears throat> everything's on hold of his intention and desire until he gets the response. So he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? But what touched me so much was that uh, in Isaiah chapter six, there's no other person that's in, in, the, in the room. That, so, you know, the Lord is saying who, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if I were Isaiah and, and you would hear that question, you realize the Lord is speaking to me. Right. He's, he's, he's saying, who will go for us? But he's speaking to me. So it just, it just brings us again to this, this matter of, it's like the Lord gives a vision. And in that vision, there's a commission. Okay. If you see the vision, right. you receive the commission. Right. And the burden comes with the commission. Exactly. Very good. Yeah, I think that's uh, quite a quite a point, you know. Uh, and and we've heard this question come up, you know. How do you know when the Lord is speaking to you? How do you know when the Lord is leading you? And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, were you in the room and did you hear what was said? And uh, you know, it's like when we were there in these conferences in the 70s, 
we heard what was said. We heard the trumpeting. Something was put into our hearts that we didn't even quite realize was there. It's not like we spent all our time thinking about when are we going to go to Europe? I mean, life continued. The storm came in, everything got disturbed. We, we went off into a different kind of direction and life continued and human things come into play and you get occupied very normally and very naturally with these human things, but something was put into us, you know, and, and even to be in a meeting like this tonight, to hear things like this from, from, from the brothers, you know, something does get put into you. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've all had experiences like this, but uh, the outworking of what gets put into you is not necessarily going to be, and I would say most often is not a matter of a Damascus type experience. It's actually more of a gentle, quiet voice where you just realize this is the direction you need to take. And I would say another element to it is you realize, well, I love the Lord. I want to serve the Lord and be useful to the Lord. And in a real way, when you, like Brother Reggie said, when you see the vision of what the Lord needs and what the Lord wants to do in Europe, it's almost like, whether or not the Lord wants you to go, you want to go. <laughs> you know, it, it, and I mean that, understand what I mean here, that of course we open to the Lord and we seek the Lord's leading. But in another sense, you know, it's like the word, uh, here I am, Lord, send me. You just react in a way where, I want to be part of this. I want to give the Lord the cooperation in this matter. I want to be one of those. I want to join the company of brothers and sisters that get to shame the enemy in the land of Antichrist. I can't think of anything quite as meaningful as that. Or, Or to be with the company of brothers and sisters that build local churches to form the bride of Christ in the land of Antichrist. We could be in the comfort of our little places in the U.S., and that's fine. But you get to be among those in this place, in this land. I think there's something to that where it's like, I'm going, Lord, unless you stop me. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Anyway. Amen. Amen. You know, I think when when the Lord spoke that in Isaiah six, who whom can I send and who will go for us? Uh, as Reggie as Reggie has said before, there was only one person there. There was only one person sitting there. I mean, it was Isaiah. He's the only one that heard that word. It wasn't like in a big congregation. It was just him. And so he can't point to anybody else because they didn't receive the vision and they didn't receive the commission. And 
that's how the Lord is with us. You know, he, he's gonna he's gonna say, okay, who who can go? Who can go? And Amen. and Isaiah's response is so precious. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I think we all prayed this. I think we did. Amen. 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 Yeah. Um, that was uh, <laughs> that was that was uh, kind of that was my experience. What you what you all are talking about. Um, I just. I, I thought I needed a special experience, but there was just something in me that I just felt this is what, <laughs> this is what the Lord, the Lord is doing. And this is what I need to do, but I didn't know if that was good enough. So, um, one time I, I, I went out to lunch with brother Reggie and I basically asked him, is that good enough? In so many words, it, was, it said it a little bit differently. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, Brother Reggie, but basically we're sitting there in this little restaurant and um, and Brother Reggie just began to weep. And at that point I realized that's the answer. There's, you know, what a privilege that we could, you know, I mean... <clears throat> If the Lord puts it in us and we have the opportunity to respond, to respond why wouldn't we? Anyway, Amen. Um, I didn't realize it was that simple. Uh, and I think this leads to our next question because there's the matter of responding to the Lord's call. But then you actually come. You're here now. Now you're here in Europe. And um, being here, I think one question is, what, what has your experience been since moving to Europe? What, what, what has your experience been moving in moving here? Obviously, there's a vision. There's a commission that comes with that. And then you come. But what has it been like now that you've been here? I think all, all of you've been here for a, a number of years now. And I think Trevor has a quick add on to that. Too. Yeah, this is just a, maybe a 1A and 1B type of thing. But um, and then added, added on to that, I think another thing that uh, would be great to address, I think there's a concept in the United States, at least, that if you stay there, you won't suffer. And if you come to Europe, you just suffer all the time. And it's horrible all the time. <laughs> at least this is from people that I talk to. And so in regards to your, in regards to your, uh, you know, experience as far as living here, uh, could you also address this concept like, oh, man, I can't have a baby there. That's it. I mean, like, people are born there, you know, I mean, like, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, you know, um, I mean, I had a baby here, and I mean, even our families were kind of like, people are born in Germany, you know, and so I think there's, there's a lot of these strange concepts about, like, Europe equals massive suffering, 
So if you guys could uh, address that, that'd be great. <laughs> wow. Well, I'll speak to this Europe equals massive suffering and say wrong. Uh, you know, that's just a, a real misunderstanding and a real mistake to think of Europe in that way. Uh, Europe is a delightful place. It's tremendous. I mean, we're here in Dublin, one hour flight to London, two hours to Berlin. I mean, you know, you can talk about the things that Europe has to offer, but you can also talk about the experience of the church life here in Europe. And I would say both are very enjoyable. I mean, I, I love history, for example. I'm a big history buff. Come to Europe. I mean, Europe's got plenty of history. It's wonderful. But, and, and you know, I mean, Ireland is, uh, you know, a lovely place. I mean, Dublin, I grew up in New York. Dublin is easy, easy. It's a small town. Uh, even though it's got a million people, but uh, people are nice, you know, uh, I guess the point I'm simply making is this, uh, I mean, this is, I don't know where folks would come up with these kind of ideas that there's nothing but suffering in, in Europe. Yet, uh, on the other hand, you, you do get to enter the warfare here. There is warfare. Yeah. And... But, you know, I, for my wife and I, we wouldn't have it any other way. We, we consider it a privilege to participate in the enjoyment of Christ with the saints, but also in the warfare. And many things come to us. I would say almost, almost every day there's something that comes to us, some need, some, some saints having some trouble, you know. Uh, could be a marital issue could be discouragement. Of course, you're going to have those kind of things anywhere, anywhere, even in lovely Southern California, where, I mean, Tom and I lived there for a good number of years. You have those kind of problems anywhere. But in Europe, surely, yes, we have these problems. But there is, you know, there is a kind of atmosphere here. Uh, there is, even in the church life, it's not an easy situation. There are struggles. There is the aspect of warfare. But saints, if we really want to be qualified to join the Lord in his return to defeat Antichrist and his armies, we get the opportunity to begin to experience some warfare today. We can learn to pray fighting prayers binding prayers, loosing prayers. We're here in Europe to bind the strong man and to plunder his house. Amen. And it's so good that you can join with brothers to pray. I pray more in Europe than I ever did before. <laughs> it's great. You know, uh, and yes, there is the warfare, but, uh, and I, I do realize, I mean, a number of the saints, many of the saints come and they do struggle and maybe they need to return to the U.S. And we understand that. We don't consider that a defeat. 
We don't consider that a failure. That's something of the Lord's sovereignty in that person's life to bring them through some experiences that they need to gain Christ and to grow in life. That's really all that is. It's not a matter of failure. It's not a matter of anything like that. The Lord is sovereign and he's shepherding all of us on a certain kind of journey so that he can gain the full ground in our being and make his home in our heart. And it might be for some, and I know some of the saints who've been through that experience, they are lovely saints. We don't think of the we don't think of it as any kind of failure like that. No, but we are under the Lord's care. And so if if any of the saints pass through that, this is the Lord's sovereign care and his shepherding. It's actually part of the shepherding process. Amen. I could tell you about all kinds of failures. I mentioned this experience of moving to New York in 2007 and being back in California in three months. Didn't work. The plan didn't work. But you know what? I gained a lot of Christ through that experience. And I'm thankful for it. So Amen. anyway, maybe, maybe I'll just stop here. I know the brothers would have a lot to say too. So I'll just share that much. Well, you know, I, I'm thinking here that I might be part of the cause of this question. Um, there was a, a uh, Young Working Saints Fellowship at the Thanksgiving Conference 2019 in Houston. And uh, I gave a, a, a fellowship about where's the army? You know, it was soon after the uh, one of the trainings about the, the formation of the army, I think numbers. And I described how uh, life in Europe, moving to Europe, participating in the Lord's move in Europe is, is a bit of a struggle. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a suffering. Uh, I don't think any of us do. Do you look like you're suffering? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, this is the most fulfilling uh, opportunity of our lifetime <clears throat> and <clears throat> but the conveniences are not here like what we were so accustomed to in America so the the apartments are smaller it's more difficult to, to get you know <clears throat> a driver's license um, to buy a car took me two weeks you know in America you walk on the lot you drive off with your new car it took, I, actually, it took me three weeks to actually get my car. <coughs> it's just different. It's just different. Yeah. And um, it takes you a half a day to do one thing, you know, uh, where you, you know, you, you can just jet around, you know, do this, do that, do this and that. Uh, so it's, it's a lot, the conveniences are not there. But I would never call that suffering. I call that, you know, adapting. But I, I would like to strengthen this point um, that uh, Ray mentioned about the warfare. You do have a clear feeling that you are kind of on the front lines and you've become a target. And if you're not exercised and if you're not careful, um, things will come to you. And you, you have to stay in the enjoyment. You have to make sure you get your time with the Lord. 
and you eat the word and that you stay fresh with the Lord. And then, uh, then, you know, you're, you're okay. You're really okay. And so uh, being in Europe, I don't agree that it's suffering, but I do have the feeling that the Lord will use the saints that are in Europe and their experience of warfare will be something that will benefit the whole body of Christ. Amen. That, uh, you know, what we experience, what we go through is not just for our personal transformation and growth, it's for the body. Amen. And, uh, you know, everywhere you have to participate in the warfare, but it seems that the battles are, are more frequent and more, you know, they come, you know, with more regular, you know, and so we're, we're learning to fight, you know, like, you know, like Ray said, we're praying more than we ever did before. You know, one of the realizations that I've had, Saints, is that I am one spirit with the Lord. This might sound normal or you're very familiar, but I'm really one with the Lord. And he's really the ascended Christ. And I'm really one with him in his ascension. He's sitting there and I'm sitting there. And so I pray different. I pray different. I don't beg. I don't plead. I le I'm learning this. I'm learning this. And someone has to learn this. If we don't learn this, who will? And if we're not put in this situation to learn this, we'll never learn this. So it's not suffering, maybe a struggle a little bit, but you know, we're all, you know, we're all American pansies, you know, we're not used to, you know, it's a struggle if you have to wait an hour to, you know, right. to do this or to do that. And, and so we're learning to, to be adjusted. Amen. You know, <clears throat> Reggie, do you have something? I just echo, I echo your brother's sharing. I think it's very good. It's complete. You know, I, I, I maybe if I could add, you know, uh, it's just in the way of a little testimony. Uh, in uh, September 2015, the, the door finally opened for us to move. And we were moving from Boston to London. And my wife and I were flying we, uh, along with our daughter. She joined us for the trip. We had a, a bunch of suitcases and she thought she'd come and help us. And, and we appreciated that. But for various reasons, I won't go through the details of the story. We got severely delayed with various flight situations. And it basically took us over 24 hours to get from Boston to London, which is normally you know, a five hour flight. Um, but on the way, and we had to make a couple of stops. In fact, at one point, I think we ended up in Stockholm, I think it was. Uh, There's not too many stops between New York and London. Yeah. Except <laughs> on, on a boat, an aircraft carrier. In the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a saga, you know. And our daughter was doing this thing. I don't know if it was Facebook or Instagram or one of those where hashtag Mulligan's move to Europe. That's how we started out. Then later on, after 
about 12 hours of all kinds of things happening. We had this, we, we went out over the Atlantic Ocean, had to go back to Boston to refuel. There was a guy had to be taken off the plane. I, you know, trust me, there were, it was a, it was a saga. Anyway, it was, at first it was Mulligan's move to Europe. Eventually it was hashtag Mulligan's try to move to Europe. <laughs> Finally, we got into London. Actually, Reggie, Mary Jo, and another couple picked us up. Man, that was so refreshing to see the Saints when we landed at Heathrow. Even at Heathrow, that was a scene, you know? Anyway, we get into London. The Saints are explaining different things to us. It was time to open a bank account. We go, we go out to the first bank. I want to open a bank account and I want to give you money. No way. No way. <laughs> they, you know, they weren't, you know, they referred me. They said, well, we can make an appointment for you like two weeks down the line. I yeah. said, well, no, no. Uh, you know, went to the next bank, had a long, you know, anyway, two, three banks later, I finally got, they said, come back Tuesday. I was like, at first, I was I was like, I, I can't believe this. This is crazy, man. Uh, opening account with I want, I'm giving you my money. What is the problem here? Then the Lord touched me. <clears throat> You're in the UK. Earth to Ray. You're in the UK. You're not in America any longer. So that means you like you the, the word Tom adjust. You just have to adjust. And then you, you know what else, saints? The other part to all this is we need to leave our American culture behind. And actually, there's a great benefit there because we know that the Lord wants to gain the one new man. Amen. And for those saints that are on the call, considering Europe or already here, it is a great blessing for us to leave our American culture behind. And one way the Lord works this out is in things like opening bank accounts or buying automobiles or living life here in Europe. You don't get by with your American culture. You need to learn to enter in among the people and be a European. And this is a great blessing to us. And I would say even a blessing to the churches, if we can do this. You have to humble yourself. Yeah. And stop all the opinions, complaining, criticizing. Amen. And do, uh, do any of you brothers have anything to add? We have one more question and then we're going to wrap it up. Well, let's go. Let's go to the unless unless Reggie wants to say something about. No, no. We all have stories. I mean, we could tell we could tell stories oh, yeah. all night. Yeah. Uh, you want a fireside chat? We'll give you a fireside. Chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the first time I went in for uh, my visa appointment, I was just terrified. Mm -hmm. I put on a suit, you know, a tie. I I dressed up and oh, I was so scared. Yeah, send me home. Go home. Anyway.
You made Go ahead. it. <laughs> yeah, I made it. Okay. Um, this this is the uh, this is a question that actually came in, and um, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this one. So this is how we're gonna end, and you brothers could just respond before we sign off. Um, is the burden for Europe over now that the saints, some saints, have migrated to Germany? Isn't Germany one of about fifty countries in Europe? I'm just going to mute now. Is is the burden for Europe over now that we've migrated to Germany? Is that was that? Yeah, that yeah, that's the that that implies that we've taken Germany already, and that when we've taken Germany, then Europe has been gained. Uh, No, (laughs) there's what did you say? There's fifty, what fifty three or fifty seven countries in Germany, or I mean in Europe. Yeah, it's kind of debatable on who you ask. Uh, you know, Google says 50. So we'll, we'll just go with that right now. Yeah. Well, I don't know how many of these countries we already have churches in, but not all of them, maybe not half. I don't know. Um, yeah. No, no, there is so much more that needs to be gained. Amen. Really. Yeah. So much more. What do we have about 5,000 saints in a continent of 600 million? Something yeah. like that? See, yeah, and with 5,000 saints, you think that we could send out, you know, several hundred every year to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the burden for Europe is not over. No. I mean, Come to Not Ireland. by a long shot. Anybody want to come to Ireland? Yeah. Dublin. We got uh, we got Galway, Cork, Limerick. No lampstands, and these are, at least to my sense, uh, major cities. Belfast. We have saints there, but no lampstand. Anyway, that's just referring to the UK. Of course, other places in the UK itself. Well, th- consider Norway and, and Denmark and yeah. Sweden, and there's another country up there. Let's see, what is it? Finland. The, Scan- Finland. the Scandinavian countries. I mean, right. the church, the, the, every, they, they need churches, churches in these places. Yeah. Um, Italy, we have a couple of churches, Rome, uh, I think Milan, but you know, that's a big country. What, 70, 80 million people? Yeah. So we're just. And then you go east. You go east, and you got these these countries. It's a big job. We need a lot of prayers. Yeah. And we need a yeah. lot of going. Amen. Reggie. But Brother Ron uh, prayed. Uh, shared in uh, 2019 in the conference in Barlow. That was 2019. He prayed in the next five years, Lord, a church in every country in Europe and in every major city without exception. Wow. May, may the Lord do it. Well, we need to we need to make a plan. Yeah. You know, we we this this session started with great resolutions of heart and great searchings of heart. Yeah. You know, in um, judges. 
th these verses, th this language is there about among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolutions of heart and great searchings of heart. You know, the great resolutions are great decisions. So tonight, maybe this is a good time to conclude this fellowship. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, we need to make a, gr a great decision, not just an ordinary, but yeah. a great decision. Amen. And the great Amen. searchings of heart refers to a great plan. There needs to be a plan and a great plan. We're not shooting uh, just within our comfort zone. We're, we're shooting for the earth, for Europe, right. for the Lord's testimony. And Amen. so we have great searchings of heart to make a plan and great resolutions of heart to make a great decision amen that we amen. will follow the lord at whatever the cost to meet his need to end this age now with us not another group not another generation right it has to be with us amen and do what it amen. takes grant us the experiences we need and gain the persons that you need in order to carry this out amen 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 Amen. May there be a fire burning in our inner being. Amen. Amen. Reggie. Amen. Do it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Do it, Lord. Amen. Do it in our lifetime. Amen. Amen. Do it with us, not with Amen. anyone else. Do right. it with us. Do it now. Amen. Right. Don't wait right. for Do another generation. Amen. Right. Do it with us. Do it now. Amen. Amen. Lord, do it with us and do it now. Amen. Amen. Spread the fire all over Europe. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We can have Thank a little you. prayer meeting. We can have a little prayer meeting right here. <laughs> Turn this chat into a prayer meeting. And before you know it, the Lord might come back. Amen. We still have some work to do, though. <laughs> yeah. Brothers, really quick before Nathaniel does the announcements, what what are the current six cities? Uh, maybe a lot of people that that uh, they don't know that, and they might see this video or or even watching it live. What are the current six cities? These six cities are a combination of some new churches, some recover recovering localities and also for some strengthening. Dublin to, for some strengthening. Rome for some strengthening. Zurich for this locality, this church to be recovered, the testimony to be restored. Uh, Barcelona for a, a church or an, a strengthening, I'm not too clear. Lisbon for a church, first church in Portugal. We need a, a church in Portugal, Lisbon. Capital of that's Portugal. And then what? Brussels. Brussels, yes. Strengthening of Brussels. Capital Amen. of the EU. There's a Very church in Brussels, but it's the capital of the EU. Yeah. Amen. So, yeah. Dublin's the capital of Ireland. But, and, and now with Brexit, the UK 
has separated itself from the EU. So Ireland is really the remaining English speaking nation. There's also Malta speaks English, uh, but Ireland, you know, with Dublin as, as a key city, English speaking nation in, in the EU. Amen. So. Amen. Lord, gain Europe. Amen. Amen Lord. Gain the major Amen. cities in Europe. Amen. Amen. Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.